So she turns her world around, and she stops eating her classmates, thankfully. And she turns out meeting a, a whole new group of friends as well. In that same vein, People Don't Bite People is another good book about classroom behavior for your young children who are possibly biting each other. Um, this is a rhyming book. Here's a little sample. It's good to bite a carrot. It's good to bite a steak. It's bad to bite your sister. She's not a piece of cake. And then there's a refrain that goes through the whole book. People don't bite people. It's nasty and it's rude. A friend will never bite a friend. Biting is for food. And if you know me very well, I love good endings to books. This one has one. People don't bite people. It's re it really isn't right. But if their head is gingerbread, <laughs> go on and take a bite. <laughs> Quiet Please, Owen McPhee is a great book to read to your class if you've got some kids who just can't stop talking. So it's a neat way for her to realize the importance of her name. 
In the back of the book, there's a note from Juana, who is the author, and her name is Juana Carlota Martinez Pizarro. She tells the story of her name. Is that pretty good? That's good. I took German in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and so she asked at the end, what's the story of your name, and what story would you like to tell? The next story, always Angeli. Angeli is a little girl who has a name that's spelled weird, and it's a name that's not very typical. She gets a bike for her birthday, and she is so excited to go with her friends Mary and Courtney to go get license plates for their bikes. Anyone been there? Anyone? Okay. Me too. I could never find anything that spelled Trisha correctly. It was always an SH, or it was Patricia, which is not really my name, so that was really frustrating for me as well. So Mary and Courtney find their license plates no problem. Angelie is really struggling. <laughs> there's Angela, there's Angelina, but they don't have the one. That says her name. On top of that, she's got a bully who is calling her peanut butter and jelly all the time and follows her around and is really mean to her. At night she goes home and she is so upset and she says she wants to change her name to Angela instead. But her mom tells her the story of her name and how it means a special gift and that she is a special gift to their family. That night, in the middle of the night, she wakes up and creates her own license plate for her bike that is one of a kind, just like she is. And at the end of the story, that bully is still there and still calling her names, but she's like, peace out, girls. <laughs> So this book is about what heaven will be like 
And we do have to use our imagination sometimes with this. So this is one page of it. It's a rhyming book. Do the houses in heaven have big rooms and spaces? Did God think of me when he built all those places? Like basketball courts, a swing and a slide, or a super cool playhouse with doors on two sides? The more I imagine, the more I wish I knew. If I spent the day with God, what exactly would we do? And then in the end, it just talks about how we can imagine all of these things, but we know one thing to be true, and that's we don't have to wait to spend time with Jesus. He's here in our hearts. And so we might be able to think and imagine about what heaven will be like, but right now we can spend time with him too. It's a great little story. God Always Keeps His Promises is a new Bible book, Bible story book, by Max Lucado. It's not every single story in the Bible. In fact, it kind of goes into themes. So it goes by a theme of a promise that God gives you. So one of the ones in the book is God will forgive you. And um, so there's a theme, there's a verse, there's a story that goes with it, and there's a promise that we can make back to God. Back to God. And then there's a prayer, and there are other verses that go along with the story. So this might be a good Bible story book to use if you finished some stories on Abraham, for instance. And there might be a story in there about Abraham's whole life and tell about God keeping his promises to Abraham. So it could be useful for something like that. It's really beautifully illustrated, too. The next one is a growth mindset book. Sometimes You Fly by Catherine Applegate. I love this book because it shows the pictures of what it looks like before you get to that amazing thing or before you get to your goal. It shows the messy parts of things. So, for instance, before the cake, you see a mom who's totally frazzled. There's flour everywhere. The kid is crying. There's smoke coming from the oven. (laughs) In the next picture, you see the party and everything turned out okay. Here's one. Before the sea, you see a little boy who is a little resistant to get into the kiddie pool. And then he's enjoying the beautiful water. Before the team, a little girl who's practicing and practicing and practicing and getting so frustrated that she can't hit that ball. And then she finally makes the team. That book has a beautiful ending, too, if I had more time to read it to you. Go check it out at Bookbook. Uh, next one, also a growth mindset book. Um, when Sophie thinks she can't. So Sophie is a little girl who hates math and the puzzles that she has to do in math. She is given homework to do a puzzle at home. She's working on it, working on it, working on it. She can't do it. Her sister comes along and does it in three seconds, fixes it for her. And she just gets so frustrated and says, I can't do puzzles and I'm never smart at math. Well, the next day she goes to school and they have to do more puzzles in school. And her teacher tells them this. You haven't figured it out yet. The power of that word, yet. Keep working, keep trying, and you will. So Sophie works with her teammates at her table, and they work together to um, solve the problem. And they all find a different way to do it, and they share those results with each other. And they're so proud of themselves when they get it done. At the end of the book, she goes home, and her dad is trying to fix something in the kitchen. And he says, I just can't figure out how to fix this. And of course she comes along, and she says, you just can't figure it out yet, Dad. (laughs) I can help. And so she helps them, and they do it together. They fix it together. All right, the next section 
our, what we do in first grade is called God's Big Words Devotions. And so if you went to our sectional a few years ago on that, you might know what these are. Otherwise, if you go to our website, there's a whole tab explaining what God's Big Words Devotions are, and the lists for all the books are there. So if you want to take a look at that, you can. Basically, we just take a word that's a theme of something that we can do to um, be more like Jesus. And then we have a lot of picture books that go along with those to help the kids understand what that word means. So the first one here goes along with the word courage. This book is called Off and Away by Cale Atkinson. He's one of my favorite authors and illustrators. Uh, Off and Away is about a little girl named Jo, and she and her dad live in this amazing place where all of the messages in bottles gather, and their job is to deliver them. And so her dad is usually the one that does it. And Joe wants to be an adventurer like her dad is, but she's kind of scared and she has a really big imagination and she feels like there are these huge creatures that are scary under the water and she doesn't want to even get in the boat. So this is what she imagines. Well, her dad gets sick. He comes down with a terrible sea cold. He has clammy eyes. Urchin itch, coral fever, seaweed chills, and barnacle tongue, which is the worst thing ever. <laughs> so Joe has to take the place of her father and go deliver the messages in the bottles. So she sets off in her boat, and in the background, there are little words in the clouds that say, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Her first delivery, she imagines to be this. But it turns out it's just a squid. His name is Ira. He wears glasses. And he gets a sweater and his message in a bottle. So it's okay. It's going to be okay. She keeps imagining all these different things, but they turn out to be just fine. And she makes friends with all of these creatures along the way. Until she's caught in Blackwater Bay, a place where no one has ever dared to go. But she has a message to bring there, so she has to go. Unfortunately, she gets caught up in a storm, her boat turns to driftwood, and she is so depressed. I'm no adventurer, she says. How can things possibly get worse? There's another monster. Thankfully, he turns out to be okay, too, and he has found the message in the bottle, which turns out to be his after all, and it's a light bulb for the lighthouse that has not been working for years, and she's been the brave one to be able to bring this light bulb to him. In the end, they help all those creatures that are so scary, help her to put her boat back together. She sails back home and gets to tell her adventure stories to her dad. Saturday is swimming day. I hated swimming lessons when I was little. So this book has a lot of strong connections to me. This little girl does not want to go to swimming lessons on Saturday. And she fakes sick. I can't imagine anybody ever doing that. <laughs> but she fakes sick. But her mom takes her temperature and she does not have a fever. Clearly she doesn't know how to put the thermometer under hot water for a minute. <laughs> so her mom says, you know, I don't have a fever. I think you can go. I think you can make it. She totally knows she's making it. So she ends up going. She meets her swim instructor, Mary. And she just takes her sweet time getting ready. She gets ready ever so slowly. 
went to the bathroom three times when Mary calls for everybody to line up. She's the last in line. For the whole swimming lesson that first Saturday, she just sits either along the wall or at the edge of the pool. And Mary, God bless her, the swim instructor, she says, you know, if you have a stomach ache, you don't have to get in the water yet. Yeah, it's fine. And so she just watches that first day. But she's kind of embarrassed she didn't go in the water. So at the end, she goes underneath the shower so her hair will be wet just like everybody else's. Well, the next Saturday, surprise, she's feeling sick again. So she tells her mom. Mom makes her go. She gets a little closer to the water this time. And gradually, as she keeps going to the swimming lessons, Mary, her instructor, encourages her to take that next little step. And she ends up in the water doing kicks. You see her in uh, some of the pictures too. She's practicing at home in the bathtub, practicing her kicks. Um, eventually, she goes in with her friends, and she's actually having fun. And no stomach aches at the end. <laughs> this book is a great book to talk about talk and how our words can affect other people. Our words are so powerful. We can do great things with them. We can help people feel better. Or we can make people hurt. And we can make people cry with our words. So this book has really fun graphics in it that tell the story. So it says your words can do amazing things. They can do good things, but they can also make people cry. Words have power. If someone feels sad, your words can cheer them up. If someone feels weak, your words can help them feel stronger. Today, somebody's world can be a better place because of you. Cute little book. What if everybody said that? It is a book by the same author as a book called What If Everybody Did That? Which is a great book about self-control. Um, this one is about words, again. So in the story, you see characters who are saying mean things to people, and you're seeing the effects of what those mean words are doing to people. Um, in this page, there's a little girl who really wants to tell about her new shoes, and so she keeps interrupting. And the teacher says, what if everybody said that? And everybody's talking all at the same time, me first. In the end, we see a little girl who's new to her neighborhood, and um, a child in the neighborhood doesn't want to include her. And says, I have enough friends already. I don't need you to play with me. But then she starts thinking to herself, what if everybody said that? So the next day, she goes back to the little girl who's new in the neighborhood. And she says, I'm sorry. Can we be friends? And so they decide to play together. And then at the end of the book, what if everybody said that? That would make a difference in our world. I'm a cat. <laughs> Love this book. I Am a Cat is a, a story about Simon the Cat. This is him. And he says a greeting to these giant cats, lions, tigers, pumas, all of the things. And um, he says, Hi, I'm Simon. I'm a cat, just like you. <laughs> so each in turn, they take, take their time to tell Simon that obviously he is not a cat because he doesn't have a mane, he doesn't have a tail with a little tuft at the end. Cheetah says, you're not fast. In fact, you're kind of short and chubby and you can't run very fast at all. <laughs> and so Simon gets more and more frustrated as time goes on and as he hears from all these cats, he starts to think to himself, well, this is weird because not everybody has a mane 
like Maya does. And not everybody can run as fast as Cheetah can. Hmm. So he says this to the cats. And the cats say, well, but, well, we all have some things in common, too. We all have uh, whiskers and long tails. We all have sharp teeth and claws. We all have eyes that can see in the dark. And Simon says, yeah, but I have those things, too. They're just smaller. <laughs> oh, ah. Cyrus is actually 
and tells him a very long story about how there's this tree that has a piece of fruit dangling from its top, and he just wishes he could taste it, and he's been going there every day waiting for it to come down, and he can't, and so the giraffe says, so you want the banana then? <laughs> so he goes and gets it, traps it down, and Cyrus is once again so impressed with Edward's abilities. And they come to appreciate each other, and they come to appreciate each other's necks. <laughs> and they end up adorning their necks with bow ties. <laughs> this, again, is a great book to talk about. Who did God make you to be? And you might be different from somebody else, but that's okay. God made you to be just who you are. I might need your help on this one. Will you sing it along with me? Sure. Okay. Cat writes a song. It's about a cat. It's a uh, very, very rainy, dreary day, and so Kat is just so sad, but she decides maybe she'll write a song, and that will help her to feel better. So she works really hard. She writes a song, and she calls it, My Amazing Song to Make Things Better. <laughs> and she sings it. Will you do it with me? It goes like this. Meow, 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 meow. Can you do it? Normally doesn't, or who normally barks at her, but she sings the song. Can you do it with me? Meow, 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 meow. And dog doesn't bark at her. Oh, first of all, I should tell you the rain stopped when her song went on. I forgot that part. So the rain has stopped. Dog is not barking at her. She goes past Turtle's house, sings the song again. Meow, 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 meow. Turtle finds his missing sock. He's always losing things, and he finds it. And Hannah is starting to think to herself, my amazing song to make things better is amazing. And it makes everything better. So she goes across Bunny. Bunny has broken his skateboard and is crying on the sidewalk. And Cat is like, hey, I have just the idea. I have the song. It's been fixing everything. So she sings it. Meow, meow, meow. But the skateboard is still broken. And Kat is so depressed. <laughs> I thought my song was working. <laughs> it's not working. Maybe it wasn't really the song that made Dog not bark at her. Maybe it wasn't the song that made Turtle find the sock. Maybe the song didn't make the, the rain go away. What if nobody heard my song? <laughs> well, meanwhile, there's been a bird that's been following her everywhere she's going. The bird goes and collects all of those animals that she's been past. And they all come together, and they sing the song for Cat this time. Watch the twist on the fourth one, okay? Can you do this with me? Meow, 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 There's one little girl, though, 
who's telling the story, who says, I tried not to laugh. My mom says it's mean to laugh at people, so I tried not to laugh. And I wondered what I could do to help Tanisha feel better. And the whole book is her thinking, you know, what could I have done so that she wouldn't run away and leave the classroom? Should I have poured the grape juice over myself so everybody would look at me and watch me instead? And she starts realizing that maybe kindness is a lot of little things. Maybe it's helping. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's just paying attention to somebody. Maybe it's just using people's names. And she finds that maybe being kind is just these little teeny things that add up to make big things. And in the end of the story, she's made a beautiful little picture for Tanisha. And the last page of the book shows Tanisha putting it up in her bedroom. Such a beautiful story. Shelter. I love reading this book and have kids write as they're watching what's going on. It's such a great thinking book. It's also a great book for truth. Um, and what other one did I put on there? Kindness. Kindness. Thank you. In this book, there are lots of little animals that are getting ready for a storm that's coming. And so they're collecting all the food they can find. They're making sure they have enough wood to stoke a fire. Uh, they're getting their places ready to go. As they're getting ready, they're looking out the window at the storm, and they see these two figures approaching. And they're wondering, who is that? What are they here for? What are they doing? Well, those two strangers are looking for shelter in the storm that's coming. They have tea that they would like to share and trade for a place to stay, a place to be warm, maybe some food to eat. So the first place they visit, they say, could we sit by your fire in exchange for some tea? And the animals say, our fire is out. Try next door. Their fire is clearly not out. It's burning bright in the background. The next place they go, we have some tea. Can we share it for a bite to eat? We've got a den of squirrels who have nuts piled up behind them. They say, we have no food. Try next door. Eventually they get to the fox household. They're turned away there as well. The foxes say, we don't have very much room in our place, which may or may not be true. It's hard to know. The little fox in the story says, what if they are out in the storm? He ends up giving them their lantern. The little fox goes out in the storm to find the bears, the polar bears, um, and shares his lantern with them. He says, it's not much, it's not food to eat, it's not very warm, but maybe it will guide you through the storm. Little Fox goes back to his house, and they find that the, the weight of the snow that's coming down is pushing on their shelter, and they have to leave it. And so now the Fox family is the one that's out in the cold and snow without any shelter. They do have some cookies, though. And they see a light coming from the snow. Can you guess who that is? It's the bears. And you know those bears just welcome them right in. Even though they don't have much to give and don't have much room, they welcome the fox family in and they end up sharing the night together, sheltered from the storm. It's really a good thinking book. <laughs> Grumpy Monkey. It's a great book to talk about attitude. This is Jim, Jim Pansy. 
he's frowning. So we all think you're grumpy, Jim. So he says, I'm not grumpy, so he loosens up and he does a big smile and raises his eyebrows. And so he looks happy on the outside, <laughs> but he's still not feeling it on the inside. He is just having a hard day. I'm sure we've all been there. Every single animal in the jungle comes by and tells him what he should do to get out of his mood. The elephant comes, the peacocks come, the lions and the zebras, the hippopotamus, the snake. They all come and tell him what they would do and what Jim needs to do to get out of this mood. And Jim just gets so frustrated. He says, I'm not grumpy! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so he stomps off. Well, his friend Gorilla, Norman the Gorilla, comes and ends up sitting by him. And we find that that is making Jim just a little bit less grumpy. About 15 minutes. Yeah, okay. you do. Okay. We'll get faster as we go through. No, you got 20. 20. You got a good solid 20. Go. Okay. <laughs> New category. Books about understanding others and becoming better humans. <laughs> the first one is called Mixed, a colorful story. This is about a group of yellows, reds, and blues. And they all live together in this city very happily, until one day the reds decide to come out and tell everyone that they are the best. Well, the yellows are not having it. They are the best because they're the brightest. And the blues, well, they're just too cool to do anything about it. So they end up arguing. They split up their city, and so each color group lives in its own space, and they make their own little towns. Well, this goes on for a while until one day a yellow passes a blue that is crying on the park bench. And he decides to stop and talk to that loon. And they find out that they kind of like each other. So much so that they spend all of their time together and end up getting married. <laughs> but the reds say, color shouldn't mix. <laughs> I don't like yellow's effect on blue. Blue's that blue isn't bright enough for yellow, thank you. Well, they end up getting married, and they have green as their child. <laughs> the other colors see that this is okay to do, and they end up mixing so much that they have this beautiful variety of colors and lots of new names, like jade and amber. <laughs> In the end, they end up taking their city down, so it's not all separated anymore, and they end up living together. And I really like the way this book ends, because it says something about how not everything was perfect, because it never is, but it was home for them. I actually have a signed copy of this book to give away. I met Ari Chung at Nerd Camp Michigan this summer. He's a lovely individual. The book is signed. It is. Um, I would like to give this book to a new teacher, somebody who is brand new to teaching in this Tennessee. year. Well done. Enjoy. Next book is called The Rough Patch. It's a book about grief and loss. If you've experienced that in your school or in your classroom, um, this might be a good book to share with your students. In this book, we see Evan, who is a fox, and his trusty dog, who is not named. Um, they spend a lot of time in Evan's garden. He's a master gardener, so he has this beautiful space. And they spend wonderful days there until the unthinkable happens. And the dog dies. 
Evan has a very hard time with this. He buries the dog in the backyard in his garden, and then he just lets the garden go. He can't bear to be in it without his dog. And one day he gets so angry, he just chops everything to pieces, and then he just lets it go. Well, one day he decides to come back to the garden, and there's this fresh new green vine growing. He decides to take care of it again, even though everything else in the garden is trash. That vine turns into a pumpkin, and Evan the fox is thinking about the times when he used to bring his um, award-winning pumpkins to the fair. He decides to do that again, even though he doesn't have his dog with him. So he does all the fair things, and he ends up winning third prize for his pumpkin. And the award for third prize is either $10, or you can take a puppy out of the box. Can you guess what he chooses? He chooses the $10. (laughs) But then he hears a little noise in the box, and so he just checks it out a minute. And in the end, you see there's a little puppy in his truck. The rabbit listened. Also, such a great book about loss, but also about empathy and how you can help other people. I feel like this book really connects to Grumpy Monkey in a certain way. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. In this book, Taylor is building this beautiful structure out of blocks. And along comes this group of birds that knocks it all down. And he is just beside himself. And just like in Grumpy Monkey, all these different animals come along and they want to fix it for him. They want to tell him how they would handle the problem. So the chicken wants to talk about it. The bear wants to roar about it. The hyena and the ostrich and the kangaroo and the snake all want to do different things that they would do if they were faced with this problem. Taylor doesn't want to do any of that, so he just sits and cries. And then this little rabbit comes along and just sits next to him. And he can feel the warmth of the rabbit's body next to him. He just sits there and then he listens as Taylor tells what happened and tells how he's feeling about it. And through it all, that rabbit never leaves. He's just there. Doesn't try to fix it, doesn't do anything, he's just there. And in the end, he's there to listen when Taylor talks about rebuilding. So they've got this grand plan together um, to rebuild the structure. I Walk with Vanessa, a story about a simple act of kindness, is a wordless book about a little girl named Vanessa. Vanessa is new to her school. Uh, She's in the middle left row there. There's an empty seat next to her because nobody wants to sit next to the new girl. In PE, she just sits on the bleachers. She's kind of by herself. Well, on the way home, she's walking home by herself, and she runs into this bully. The bully is very mean to her. And as it's happening, a little group of people sees what's going on. They don't do anything right at that time. But they see what's happening. And you can see the wheels are spinning in their minds about what to do. This girl in the yellow dress is the one who kind of is the instigator of solving this problem. She thinks and thinks and thinks about how she can help this little girl who's getting bullied on the way home from school. Well, she ends up watching to see where Vanessa goes and knows which house is hers. And so that morning, the next morning at breakfast, she has an idea. She runs over to where Vanessa lives, knocks on the door, 
she says, I'm going to walk with you to school today. And as they go, they pick up more and more people. So that by the end, they've got this whole crowd of people around Vanessa. And that bully, he can't do anything. And in the end, we find that Vanessa has made some new friends, too. The Day You Begin by Jacqueline Woodson. This story is beautifully written, beautifully illustrated. This is a great book for the beginning of the year, but it can be read at any time. Um, it's a book about feeling different from everybody else. Sometimes it's how you look. Um, sometimes it's how everybody is sharing about these amazing, wonderful trips they took over the summer. And all you did was take care of your sister and read. Maybe it's that your food for lunch is pretty different and smells kind of funny. Maybe it's that you can't do the things that other kids do at recess. But in the end, if you share a little something of yourself and you begin to do that, you might find that somebody does really have something in common with you, even though it seems they are very different. And maybe you can even make a new friend. I have a copy of this book to give away. It's not signed. Sorry, Jacqueline Woodson is kind of a big deal. <laughs> um, do we have another new, new teacher? <laughs> oh, the remember balloons. Okay, this one makes me cry. Um, in this story, I believe the boy's name is James. James and everybody in his family has balloons about them that represent their memories. And so James has a few memories. His little brother only has two right now, and the dog has one. The dog has the same memory the whole book. <laughs> and James' mom and dad have tons of memories. But the person in the family with the most memories is Grandpa. And James loves to sit with his Grandpa and ask him what's in each balloon. And he tells a little story that goes along with it. So he asks, what's in your yellow balloon? And Grandpa will tell a story about what happened then. Well, the really cool thing is, is that they share a balloon. The silver balloon tells a story of when they went fishing together. And they like to talk about that one a lot because it's really both of their favorites. Well, after a while, we start to see that Grandpa is losing some of his balloons. They either get stuck in a tree and he keeps telling that same story over and over, or they're gone. And James can't catch them. He tries, but he can't get to them. And then finally we see the silver one floating away. And James just doesn't even know what to do with that. Why did you let it go? That was our balloon. And he sits on the sidewalk and just cries. Well, Grandpa comes up and pats him on the back. He doesn't ruffle his hair like he used to. And he says, why are you crying? What's going on? You don't need to cry. James talks to his parents about it. And finally, we see that Grandpa has no balloons. He has no memories left. The dog still has one. <laughs> his parents talk to him again. And they tell him that now he has all these new balloons. All of the stories that Grandpa shared with him are now his memories and his stories to tell. And so at the end of the book, you see James sitting on this lap. And he's sharing all the stories that Grandpa told to him so that Grandpa can remember. Really sweet book. I haven't tried to read this one out loud yet. <laughs> Adrian Simcox. 
Equifax does not have a horse. <laughs> Ten minutes, okay. Um, I am not going to do justice on this book. This book is amazing. The illustrations are incredible. Basically, Adrian Simcox is kind of a loner. He sits by himself all the time, but all he likes to talk about is how he has this amazing, beautiful horse with a big flowing mane and big brown eyes. But he's imagining the horse. And all the little kids on the playground love to hear about it, but Chloe cannot handle that he's lying about this horse. And so she yells from the monkey bars, he's lying! Adrian Simcox is not a horse! And she can see, even though she's hanging upside down, that that made Adrian mad and sad. Well, Chloe goes home every day and she complains to her mom about how Adrian is talking about this horse all the time. The mom's getting kind of tired of it. And she knows Adrian. And she knows Adrian's grandpa. And so she suggests that they take the dog for a walk. And they end up walking through Adrian's neighborhood. And they see his tiny little house where he lives. And even as she's talking to him, she wants to say, you do not have a horse. But she doesn't. She holds it inside because she remembers what he looked like when she told that to the kids on the playground. Eventually, she tries to get to know him a little bit. They play catch together. And she finally reaches out to him and tries to imagine as well what that horse looks like. Can you see at the end? Can you see the horse in the picture? Their branches are coming together to make a picture of the horse. The head is right behind Adrian's head. There are lots of little pictures of that horse all through the book. It's really pretty amazing. All right, books of reading and writing connections. I'm going to whip through some of these and spend a little more time with some others. What If is a beautiful book about creating and what you would do if you didn't have all the tools you needed to create. Um, people who are creators know that you would find anything to create with. You'd use your voice. You'd find anything you could. As long as I live, I will always create. There's a great little story in the back of this book from the creators of the book who talk about where the story came from. It's a great little story. Elfie. Elfie is the turtle that disappeared. The story starts out with Mia, and she is six, and she decides to get a turtle for her birthday, and they decide they are six together because the lady at the, at the shop says that the turtle is also six. So they are six together, and she is so excited to have his pet. She introduces him to all of her other pets, stuffed animals. She dances for him, plays music, tells jokes, decorates his cage, all of these amazing things. And then she kind of forgets about him. Until the morning of her seventh birthday, one year later, he's gone. He has disappeared. And then you see this page, where Mia's story ends, and Elfie the turtle's story begins. The narrator changes. So Elfie is the one who's going to talk. And even though it seemed like he did not enjoy any of the things that Mia was doing with him, he talks about all of the things, about the jokes and about how she danced for him and told him all kinds of stories. And I love this page because it says she made me laugh and laugh and laugh. And he's just sitting there. <laughs> so he decides for Mia's seventh birthday, he is going to find her a gift. So he escapes out of the cage. And he goes all around the house and can't find a thing for her. So he talks to the dog, Toby. And Toby says, you should try outside. Outside of the nest. Outside of the nest. Get her a stick. <laughs> so he does go outside. Looks for all kinds of things. But he just gets so tired. And so the snail shows him this little pond where he can go. And you can see time is passing. 
freezing, the snow is falling. And he naps. And he naps, and he naps, and he naps. And the spring comes. And he wakes up underwater in the pond. And the fish shows him some things that are collected on the bottom of the pond that maybe she could use as a gift for Ian. There's a little turtle keychain down there. So um, Elfie thinks this is a great idea. He struggles to get out. He's like, oh, just in time. It's her birthday still. <laughs> but it's her eighth birthday. He's been gone for a whole year. But he says, now we were seven together. He has absolutely And then, man, there's a lot of really good informational books and biographies on that. 